I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. San Francisco is requiring that people wear face masks now when they run essential errands, and State Senator Scott Weiner believes we can all have some fun with that. He's hosting a Masks Are Fierce competition with four fierce drag queens as the judges. I'm talking today with one of them, Sister Roma of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. She's talking about what makes a fashionable face mask, how the city shutdown is affecting drag queens' livelihoods, and what she sees as a silver lining in this whole tragedy. Sister Roma, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have our first ever drag queen on Fifth and Mission. No way. <laughs> Long overdue. <laughs> That's yes. amazing. I'm happy to be your first. I'll be gentle. <laughs> Great. Well, um, as we all know, San Francisco is now requiring that everybody wear a face mask when they're running essential errands or on public transit or out and about. And I wondered what you thought of that rule when you first heard about it. Well, I thought it was about time. Honestly, I I started wearing a mask a few weeks ago just because I felt it made me feel safer and it also reminded me not to touch my face. Mm -hmm. I just sort of felt like it was an inevitable decision. And I'm glad that they finally came on board with that because, you know, there are people who are working essential jobs that are exposed to the public. And it's been really a dangerous situation for a lot of people who work in grocery stores and other places. So at least it's like everybody, let's just cover up and take care of ourselves and take care of each other, you know? Yes. And how did this um, Masks Are Fierce competition come about? I know you're one of the judges, so can you kind of walk me through how that was created? Well, I am judging you right now. I love <laughs> to judge people. It's my favorite thing to do. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so uh, Scott Weiner contacted me as soon as he knew that this was coming down from the mayor's office, and he said it would be really fun to sort of raise attention and awareness to the to the masks and to make make a contest out of it and turn it into something gay and fabulous because mm-hmm. that's what that's what we do that's what our community <laughs> does yes so what are you looking for as a judge what what would make a mask fierce in your opinion well we do have a requirement that they they be um, safe they have to be up to the standards of safety um, so that is the only requirement and other than that people can just lose their minds and do whatever however they feel best represents themselves. I want people to bring fantasy. I want people to bring glitter and accessories and maybe flowers. Whatever you feel is the best way to express yourself and be fabulous, but safe while you're wearing your mask. Mm -hmm. And um, are you wearing masks all the time when you're going outside? And what do those look like? Well, so uh, the mask that I dug out from under my bathroom sink is rather mundane. It was one that I had left over from the fires. Remember Mm -hmm. when the air quality was so dangerous here? Um, last summer. So (laughs) honestly, that's the one that I've been wearing for everyday use. But I do have something in mind for our live show that people will see as something a little dressed up. I mean, hello, if we're going to judge, right, we better (laughs) be able to bring it. Yeah. And can you give me a sneak peek what what that's going to look like? Um, Let's say that I'm going to bring a bit of the outdoors to the indoors, Uh but I'm going to make it make it drag. Okay. Um, Yes. So, you know, like as drag queens, you know, we we like to take things that natural things and make them unnatural in the exaggeration and the use of shiny materials and things like that. Yeah. 
That's it. And we might be wearing, okay, we might be wearing these masks for quite some time. So do you think that people should start considering masks like an accessory, like we would our shoes or our, you know, jewelry or anything else? Oh, it's already happening. People have started to, so many wonderful people have stepped up. And, you know, I'm a member of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. One of my sisters is a fabulous seamstress, and she's made several, several hundreds of masks. Um, Dallas Culture, who's a local San Francisco gal, a fabulous seamstress to all the RuPaul's Drag Race stars, has made a wonderful assortment of masks. My friend Eden, who's a fashion designer, has created masks. I mean, and they're all made out of this really interesting, wonderful fabric that, that goes for every occasion. <laughs> That's great. So people might need day-to-day masks and fancy masks and anything in between. Right. I mean, just so long as you're, and they, they're saying that any kind of fabric that you have, I know masks are not accessible to everyone. People have budgets. People are having a hard time finding them. But there's all sorts of tutorials online, too, to make compliant, safety compliant masks out of things, common things like um, socks and all sorts of, you know, yeah. bandanas. T-shirts. So yeah. I just, we just want people to take care of themselves and to be as healthy as possible until we so we can see the light at the end of the tunnel here. Right. So I know you're a member, like you said, of Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. How did that group come to be? What's the short history of that group? Oh, okay. Well, the sisters are celebrating 41 years in San Francisco on uh, Easter with our 41st anniversary. And yeah, so we basically started as just a group of of guys who had borrowed these nuns habits from an order in Iowa and decided one Easter Sunday to go out and basically just see what would happen if they put on (laughs) these nuns habits. So (laughs) they went to the Castro and the Mission and out to the gay beach. And everywhere they went, it was just Sister Vicious, who was one of the founders, described it as as a psychological car crash everywhere they went. Nobody had ever seen men, most of them with beards, in nuns habits. And so... They realized that they were onto something and they got together with a group of friends and came up with the name, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And a few mem- more members joined. And shortly after that was 1979, which was right before uh, HIV and AIDS started to ravage the community. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, that's when the sisters really found their purpose. Mm-hmm. And now it's more about community service. Right. From that day forward, the order became really focused on raising awareness to HIV AIDS. Uh, the sisters were the first group ever to produce a safer sex pamphlet called Playfair mm-hmm. that we still produce today. Excellent. It was a very practical, practical guide in, in, in the way that we speak to each other, you know, plain English about how to avoid sexually transmitted diseases. Mm-hmm. The sisters were the first group ever to hold a fundraiser for people who in the community who were sick and needed help with practical care and rent and things like that. So the sisters have always been in the forefront of the fight against HIV and AIDS. Mm -hmm. And then over the years now, it's been 40 years later when we're a worldwide organization with orders on four continents and we just about everything that you can think of as far as civil rights and um, charity, the sisters support in Mm -hmm. different communities around the world. And are you doing anything now these days with COVID-19? Well, I host a lot of events. I'm a regular host on, on the main stage at San Francisco Pride. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm very lucky to to be invited to do things. I just I just did a thing for rent control with an amazing organization online. So what we're all doing, like everybody from Broadway to school teachers, you know, we're all going online to stay connected and to continue, continue to do the work that we do. So there is a 
oh, being in the works with some sisters out of Canada who are trying to start, a, who are, are planning a big sister sort of gathering. We actually, Easter in the park for our anniversary is one of our biggest events. We do the famous Hunky Jesus contest, and we brought that <laughs> online this year. Uh-huh. We had over 5,000 people, 5,000 people tuned in to watch that, and we voted oh, wow. online and crowned, yeah, we crowned a new Hunky Jesus, and that was amazing. So we're we're keeping up with everybody and, and trying to stay connected and, and do our work. Mm-hmm. And how would you say the livelihood of drag queens is being affected overall in San Francisco? Because I know some people rely on this, you know, pretty much their whole income. Oh, absolutely. Well, everybody who works in queer nightlife and nightlife in general, not just queer nightlife, uh, people are, are being horribly negatively impacted. As soon as we announced that the bars were going to have to close, we knew that there would be bartenders and servers and barbacks and DJs and people who run lights and event promoters. People were going to need our help. So a group of community leaders in the queer community started an organization called the Bay Area Queer Nightlife Fund. Mm-hmm. And that is who we worked with in conjunction to bring Hunky Jesus online. And they hold it a quarantine dance every Sunday. <laughs> and that is a nonprofit organization. And all of the money raised goes to support are people who work in queer nightlife. Uh-huh. And to date, they've raised, they've raised over $200,000. Oh, wow, that's great. I'm Heather Knight, and I'll be right back with Sister Roma. I'm back with Sister Roma, a judge of the Masks Are Fierce competition. Are you still dressing up at home, or do you just lounge around in sweats like all of us? <laughs> well, I I feel that it's very important to try and maintain some sort of routine. So I get up, I do my morning routine, I'm dressed, I'm very lucky to be able to work from home. I have an office set up in my home, so I'm reporting to work every day. We're all Zoom connected and, mm-hmm. and working really hard. Um, but I have been to host these events and different things and tape things. I have been getting in drag at home. And it's the most comfortable drag I've ever done. I don't have to wear any uh, spanks or any shoes <laughs> if I don't want to. I don't have to wear pants if I don't want to. If we're filming just from the, the head up, I don't even have to wear pants. It's wonderful. Well, probably most nuns don't wear pants. I wouldn't think. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know probably. I hope they would wear some, something under, you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Who knows? With none done today, are very progressive. You're probably right. Probably <laughs> um, and I know uh, you've been very involved in the Pride Parade over the years, and it was supposed to be the 50th anniversary in June, and that's been canceled. So how did you feel about that decision? <sighs> devastated. Mm-hmm. Just devastated. Like everything, so many things have been canceled. And we, like, again, with the masks, the inevitability was, was, was written on the handwriting was written on the wall. Like, we just knew that it would not be possible but to lose the, the 50th anniversary is, is really hard for our community. Yeah. I still have, I have faith that together as a community, we will come up with something fabulous to bring it online and open up the, the floodgates to the world to join us to celebrate 50 years of pride in some way. Mm-hmm. And Honey Mahogany and I have been the co-MCs on the main stage for the last five years. So I'm pretty sure that hopefully we'll be involved in some way. So even though it's not going to be the celebration that we're used to, and obviously there won't be a parade, there will definitely be some way to recognize and celebrate. I know Juanita Moore is committed to that. And a bunch of us are, are going to see that something happens. The pride board i'm sure will work with us on that so stay tuned okay well i'm glad it's continuing in some way 
And how did your Sister Roma persona first come about and when was that? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I have, I actually grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I went to Aquinas College, which is a small private Catholic school. And I moved after, after graduating, I moved three months later, I moved to San Francisco. And within two years, I had met the sisters and joined the order. So I have been a sister for 33 years. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been, it, it absolutely changed my life because prior to that, even though I grew up Catholic and I went to a Catholic university, I was, I was active in, in high school and college. I was a student leader. I was class president. I was involved in some things, but I never really did anything political or very, um, I didn't do any charity work or anything like that. It just didn't occur to me. Mm -hmm. I hate to say that. It sounds terrible, but it, it's kind of true. And when I met the sisters and learned about the important work that they had done around HIV and AIDS and the way that they reached out to the community and helped people around them in need, it was like my head exploded. And I was like, oh my God, I, I care about people. And I, I, I want to make a difference just for that, you know, for being here. There's so much work to be done. Mm -hmm. So I joined the group and I never looked back. It is absolutely life-changing and it's been the most beautiful experience I could, I could ever express. Oh, that's so great. Well, that's a good note to end the serious questions on. And then now we go to the lightning round, if you're ready. Oh, yeah, <laughs> let's go. Where is your so these, so these answers don't The answers don't have to make sense, right? Oh, no, you can say whatever you want. It's up to you. <laughs> okay. okay. Can I just say peanut butter for everything? No, okay. All right, let's go. Let's go. I'm nervous now. Now I'm nervous. Okay, all right, go. Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Ooh, the Mission. Any restaurant in particular or all of them? Uh, the, the one that's right down 16th Street off BART. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't think of the name of it right now, but it's always, always busy and it's so good. Yes. <gasps> now you're making me want a car <laughs> carnitas um, taco, a soft shell taco. We'll bad. have to meet for that when, when we can leave our houses again. All right. <laughs> what is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? What's up, Doc? Oh, that's a good one. Do you know that with Barbara Streisand? Yes. Where she, yes, where she drives the blue bug. Because I used to live at the top of Vicksburg Street, which is that great big hill that they drive down uh -huh. in the blue Volkswagen. I used to live at the top of that oh, hill. That's so cool. Not when they filmed that, you know, not when they filmed that movie, but later. Mm -hmm. And so, and also, it's just one of the funniest. I adore Barbara Streisand. I mean, hello, I'm gay. And um, <laughs> it's sort of a, it's like a law, like you have to love Barbara Streisand. And then that movie is just hilarious to me. So that was definitely my favorite movie film here. <laughs> Where is your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? Back when bars were open. Well, back when I drank, because I actually, I, I celebrated seven years of sobriety. In, okay. In February 4th. Congratulations. So thank you, Lou. Thank you so much. But um, I definitely always loved it. I used my drink was a kettle one and soda, tall. And I couldn't walk into any bar in the Castro without having someone just handed to me <laughs> the minute I walked in. But I would say probably my favorite place to go and get a drink and mingle with friends would be the lookout. Mm-hmm. What was your first concert? Oh, my God. You're not going to believe it. It was Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, it was like in high school. I think I wouldn't say it was like in ninth grade or something. That's and fun. I don't even know how, how, how I got invited or how, why my mother let me go. But <laughs> I went and it was in a huge auditorium in Michigan, like a stadium, you know, in Michigan. And I remember we had terrible seats way up in the rafters and everybody around me was smoking pot and I was just 
scandalized by the whole experience. <laughs> the music was so loud. I wasn't like a huge Van Halen fan. It's so random that I went that with my first concert. That's but funny. That was it. I yeah. like it. Uh, what are you most looking forward to about the shutdown ending? What will be the first thing you do? I feel as, as stressful and hard as this is for so many people, I think that the silver lining in all of this is going to be a rejuvenated appreciation for each other. Like mm-hmm. we are going to realize how much we missed our friends and our coworkers and how sometimes maybe we took the people who, who fold our laundry or serve us at the pharmacy or our favorite bars and restaurants. How maybe we took some people for granted. Everybody is going to have a renewed appreciation for human connection and one-on-one interaction. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're going to just rush out of our quarantine homes and into each other's arms. And it's going to be magical when it finally happens. I love that. Okay. This might be a hard question. Who is your second Uh-oh. favorite drag queen in San Francisco? I'm assuming that you are your first favorite. I was going to say, you must be assuming I'm, the, <laughs> I'm my first. Um, and you're right. You know, I mean, let's be honest. No, um, so my, I asked her to be my favorite drag queen. Oh, there's so many good ones. We have the best <laughs> drag here in San Francisco. And I'm very dear friends with so many of them. And they're, they're all have different reasons that I love them so much. One of my, other judges at this contest, of course, is BB Sweetfire, who happens to be one of my dearest friends. Like, we consider each other family. We've been friends for so many years. And she's a fabulous billboard recording artist and a tireless charity community service. You know, she and she's fun and, and beautiful. Same with Donna Sachet, who was an empress of San mm-hmm. Francisco and really still exemplifies everything regal and fabulous. She's considered the first lady of San Francisco. Yes, I, love I mean, her. she's she's an, of course she's an icon and just I adore her. Um, and Peaches Christ is a legend and is a very savvy business person who's taken her brand worldwide and entertained people endlessly. I've been so privileged to appear in many of her shows and we've developed a great friendship. So I mean, those are definitely three of the top ones for me. They're all spectacular. Great. Well, you've got a good lineup of judges then. For the mask contest. Yeah, it's going to be good. Cool. Okay. Yes. Last question. What is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Coffee. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that, is, that is a little shallow. Sorry. <laughs> but I am completely the biggest coffee addict in the world. Like, I love coffee. <laughs> I do too. Well, it was so fun to talk to you. Thank you for joining me I'm on the sorry, podcast. What? I said it was so fun to talk to you. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll be looking for the mask results. Yes, it's going to be awesome. Thank you so much. If you'd like to enter your fierce mask and Senator Wiener's contest, send a photo of it by Monday, April 27th to sfmaskcompetition at gmail.com. Thank you to Sister Roma for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.